Hello and welcome back to the Cyclist Magazine podcast in association with Castelli. I am your host, Joe Robinson, and I am joined by Mr. James Spender. Merry Christmas, little boy. He says that because you are joining us for our very Christmassy special in which we are joined by a special Christmas guest who has nothing to do with Christmas whatsoever. It's shooting stars comedian slash DJ slash burger van owning Greek Dan Skinner, a.k.a. Angelos Epifimou. James, Merry Christmas. To crack things open like a new bottle of Baileys, let's do a festive things we like and a festive things we don't like. James, I'm going to throw it over to you like a discarded Brussels sprout. Tell me something you like and something you don't like about the festive season. Hey, it doesn't have to be about cycling. It can be. I just want to know, James. I don't know where to start. I love Christmas. I absolutely adore Christmas. You've named two of my favourite things already. Baileys and Brussels sprouts. Not necessarily to be uh, taken together. Although a sprout is an unsung veg and it shouldn't be discarded on the floor. A lot of vitamin C in a sprout. Good fibre. So yeah, there's all the food. That's fantastic. But in terms of cycling, I just love that cycle ride. And I don't get to do it that often, but hopefully I shall this year on Christmas morning. It is a delightful time. The world is a very different place on Christmas morning. It has this air of kind of newness. You just know everyone's rushing downstairs to open their Christmas presents with three other households potentially or fewer. And it just feels it feels festive. There's a certain sensation in the air. And I might even bookend that because I'm going back to Portsmouth to see my folks bookend that with a swim in the sea so it's working up that appetite and then it's going home and smashing all of those calories back into my face uh with copious amounts of babies so yeah i just i mean ask me anything and i'll probably say i like it over christmas talk to me january the first and then we'll then we'll have some issues and anything you don't like well at all if you had to pick something if i had to pick something it is it's riding aluminium rims i still have disc brakes i've just been out on my bike in fact it has been raining it's got alloy rims on the winter trainer and it's that black mess that comes off the wheel rim yeah they break a little bit better but that mixture of road grime disintegrating alloy and brake pads and it just stains everything it just drips it just makes an absolute mess of your bike I literally can't, yeah, I can't abide by that. And also, what kind of annoys me at Christmas is I've got these amazing Christmas socks, a pair from Hackney GT and another pair from Cafe de Cyclist, but I can't really get them out, partly because they'll get covered in crap, partly because you're wearing bib tights. So it's like, I can only wear them at Christmas, but then I can't show them off. So what am I supposed to do with them? But they're great socks, and I will put them on. But that's, you know, minor things minor things really how about yourself mate what's really uh, going to float your boat this christmas what's going to put gravy on your on your roast the thing that i'm going to look forward to this christmas is and i know this sounds like sacrilege but not riding my bike so come the 23rd i mean at the moment because of aforementioned injuries i can't really ride at the moment and uh, i can i can get on zwift etc but i'm going to give myself a lovely break come the 23rd i'm going to clean the bike I'm going to get it all nice and sparkling, put it in the in the garage or the shed, put some cover over it, and then just completely forget about it to January 1st. Give myself a lovely little break in the hope that come January 1st, I'll be raring to go to get back out on the bike and really looking forward to getting on two wheels again, whether that be on the turbo trainer or out on the open road, fingers crossed, my leg allowing. Um, 
But what that does mean is that the thing I'm not looking forward to is, you know, fitting into Lycra after the Christmas period, James. I think <laughs> yeah. we can all sympathise there. Absolutely. Um, just, just for some context, James, on Christmas Day, the average person in the UK consumes 5,500 calories, which is around the number of calories that a pro cyclist burns in a single day of racing, right? Yeah. So considering I will probably eat that 5,500 calorie mark every day from the 24th to the 1st, so nine consecutive days, because I like to set myself a challenge, I need to aim to ride the equivalent of the Tour de Suisse Amber Banch pill from January the 2nd to get myself back into the terms of calorie credit slash deficit. It's about, you know, it's only 9,000 kilometres. Only 9,000 kilometres? Oh, that's... No, maybe no, maybe less. No, no, it's a lot less than that. Maybe like 1,000 kilometres, sorry. 9,000, far too much. But, you know. Do you think it could maybe be around 500 miles? Could it be that you might entertain the idea of doing the Rafa 500 post-Christmas to burn off all oh, that? Oh, no, I'd, ne- I'd never do that. I mean, ultimately, I know what you think. I know I can hear people, what people are saying. Why don't you just exercise between Christmas and New Year's so that you're never in that much calorie deficit? Because that makes sense. But I am a firm believer that you should be in a period that period between Christmas and New Year's that has no name should be spent in a mild level of intoxication for the entire time. Yeah, whether it's a food stupor or a Bailey's enhanced mood. Yeah, and like a like a hibernating grizzly bear, my heart rate should never beat above 50 beats per minute during those sort of nine day stretch and then january 2nd until, until you get to, until you get to sit down and watch the final of strictly come dancing and they review well and then you're through the roof 120 exactly so you know i'm gonna use that i'm gonna use that period just to rest and then come january 2nd i'll you know address my woes and the fact that none of my uh, winter jackets fit <laughs> and then go well I can't even dress up to go outside so maybe I'll just kick, kick back and maybe I'll just classics. stop cycling forever yeah yeah, yeah. maybe we'll just all give up cycling in 2021 <laughs> that, that could be our new year's resolution let's start running let's start running I've heard it's good for your knees <laughs> um, so today's episode we've got a comedian on we've got Dan Skinner Angelos Epifemiu is the name that you'll probably know him by. He's been in Shooting Stars and other such funny comedies on television. Uh, We had Angelos on uh, to discuss his love of cycling and also because he wanted to audition to become the next Rob Hatch slash Ned Bolting slash Carlton Kirby. Isn't that right, James? It is, yeah, it is. So we got him to offer his commentary expertise on this year's Tour of Flanders. Now, we've put a link to that video in the description below, so do click it when Angela starts commentating, and then you can sort of listen along as you watch along. Uh, It's very funny. We sort of promise you that you'll probably laugh. Um, But anyway, without further ado, let's get into that interview now. So today's episode is a bit of a special because we've actually got two guests our first is everybody's favourite anorak-wearing, ex-burger van-owning and synth-playing Greek, Angelos Epifimou, who starred alongside Vic Reeves and Bob Mortimer on Shooting Stars. Uh, now, Angelos, we hear that you rather like cycling. Oh, my God. I love cycling. I love it. It's one of the greatest things ever made because, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's cheap. 
it's um, you know it, you can get out on the fresh air and you can go up the hill and you can go down the hill along the road you know and just keep going it's wonderful it's wonderful you know see the sights yes sir thank you so where 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 are these sites where are you going cycling well, I'm going mostly down the Lee River, um, which is over in East London, because it's all, um, there's no cars down there, and there's, you know, tents and barges, and, you know, it's my kind of people down there. There's a lot of, um, you know, people with dreadlocks, and lots of pubs along there, and all sorts of stuff goes on down there, all deals and um, boozing and um, not a lot of work so I feel comfortable there in my in amongst my people lots of smoking lots of smoking I go down to the smoke I cycle 20 miles have a fag and then come back again that's why I like to go there I feel comfortable you know is your, is your bike safe amongst all those uh, those people on the canal and the river well my bike I nicked it anyway so you know, it, it doesn't really matter if it gets pinched because it's just a vicious, vicious circle of nicking bikes. And so if mine gets nicked, I'll get someone else to nick another one and all that and all that, you know. Not that I condone that at all, but I do condone it. And have you been uh, using that bike to bring along the burger van at all? Uh, well, no, don't be stupid. I mean, the burger van weighs a ton and I can't pull that. I mean, like a horse and cart while cycling along in front of the burger van. No, that used to have its own engine before it got blown up under mysterious circumstances. Well, my brother done it. I know it was him, so it wasn't mysterious. But um, uh, he got a lot of money from the insurance. Anyway, it's a, it's another it's another thing. Um, but no, I, I I used to drive it and until the flight until the tires got done, and then I had to leave that by the river as well until it got blown up, etc. Cetera, et cetera. So we're there again. But I heard through a little birdie that because this burger van's gone awry, you're looking to get into the old commentating on cycling. You're after Carlton Kirby's job. Yeah, I've put myself, I've put a showreel together and I've sent it to Eurosport and I've had a lot of good, favourable feedback from Carlton Kirby and Rob Hatch. Uh, they, and um, Ned Bolting has said, thank you very much. Um, so, you know, it's it's really gaining some traction. So, yeah, I mean, watch this space is what all I say. Is that, is that something that you can share with us now? I mean, is it still in the possession of Ned or have you got a copy? Is there something we could have a little little gander? I don't that? have a copy of it, but what I'm willing to do is show you how to do it. Even better. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm off the cuff. I'm very good. I'm very, very confident. And I I can deliver, I think, what the audience wants to see you know, in a very, very quick time as well. Fantastic. Any any particular race that you might want to commentate on? What have you been watching recently? Tour of Flanders. That was that was very um, that was very exciting. Um, well, the last the last minute and a half was, um, you know. So I reckon I reckon that's probably the one at the moment. I mean, there's the Giro, there's the Vuelta. Yes, okay. But the Tour of Flanders. There's something special about that one, isn't it? Especially after Paris-Roubaix was cancelled. And it's one of the only classics we've got at the moment, you know? Right, great. Yeah, I'd, I'd, love, to, I'd love to hear some. Roll the clip. There we go. Okay. Here comes uh, Alaphilippe, Matthew van der Poel and Volt Wenart and loads of other ones as well from um, all sorts of different countries like Germany and Holland and 
um, Spain and Italy and all around Europe because that's where they really dig the cycling. But let's focus on these characters up the front here. We've got, um, yes, here they are now, Matthew van der Poel. There's Julian Alaphilippe following up there and uh, Van Aert there. And, and oh, my God, he's gone over. He's gone, he's gone over like a sack of shits. Um, Alaphilippe has been knocked, he's gone, well, what he's done is he's driven into a motorbike. What, should the bike have been there? I don't know. But I don't know the legalities or the laws surrounding that. We'll have to look into it. But anyway, loads of other cyclists are now um, cycling along at the same um, path. But let's focus on these two now going up the hill. It's Matthew uh, Van Der Poel and Walt Van Aert, both from Belgium. And they're really good cyclists from Belgium. Uh, they go back years doing it. Eddie Merckx was from Belgium and he, he knew a thing or two. But here they go. The sprint's on. And we're on. Who is it be? It could be. It's a 50-50. No one can really, really call this. Um, but I would say it's going to be... What, uh, was it Van Aert? I think Van Aert's taking that. I think he's taking that on the line. What a thrilling finish coming down the thing and all the rest of them coming in there. And that's the end of it for this year. Join us next year. And here they are, just repeating that. Join us next year, the Tour de Flanders. We're, we're, look at that. It's, it's, it's half a bike length there. He's got it, that one. He's got it. Like I, he's lifting his bike up there. That's it, getting hugs off his, off his bird, I'd have thought. I hope that's someone who knows. Oh dear, she's holding her nose. That stinks, she says. That absolutely stinks, you getting beaten on the line like that. Okay, see you next year. Bye-bye. Wow. Wow, fantastic. I'm amazed. I'm amazed you're here talking to us. You should, you should be down at the Discovery Centre with the rest of the Eurosport posse. Yeah, there's plenty more where that came from you know there's plenty more up my sleeve um so just give me a chance that's all i'm saying give me a bloody chance for christ's sake but how are you how are you with the old pronunciations of of riders angelo very good oh yeah yeah so uh that guy that won the tour de france last month uh do you know how to pronounce his name Ruf, Ruf it is. This, this slovakian isn't it tajek pogakar yes yeah, slovakian fella yeah. Tajit, Tajit Fotifar. Rolls off the tongue there. What about that young one who crashed the other week, uh, Remco Ivanapol? Oh, yeah. Well, he's, you know, Remco Ivanapol. It's just some of the, like, some of the, some of the foreign names are hard to pronounce. You know, that's not just me saying that. That's across the board, people think that. Uh, Ned Bolton... He rings me up the other day and says, I can't get my head around Renko Evangelist. You know, and I says, I know, mate. I know. It's very, very difficult to pronounce. Rod, Roglic. Roglic. That's how it's spelt, but that's not how you say it. I heard that you're going to give Sean Kelly personal lessons. He needs them. He, Sean Kelly needs a little bit of colour in his voice. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because he's like, he's all like, and on the general classification, it's all one note with Sean. He needs to be a little bit of light and shade. Do you know what I mean? I know he's focused and he's done the races and he knows his way around it and all the information is excellent, but he just needs a little bit more, a little bit more colour, you know? Mm. It sounds like a, 
It sounds like a wet weekend. Poor old Sean. And uh, Angelos, how how did you get into pro cycling with all your like your burger van and your DJ and how, how, how come she got into it with the pro stuff? How do you know about it's it? It's just another thing. I turned it on one day. Like lever when you're stuck in the house like me, I mean lockdown's been you know, things have really changed in lockdown, like, you know, people staying at home all day you know, getting drunk all day, watching TV all day, shining on, no work to go to, you know, things have really changed. But not for me personally. That is my life. So when I found a sporting event that started at 11 o'clock in the morning and went on till about 5 o'clock in the afternoon, I thought, that is something I can get behind, you know. And I could really sit down and get in with it. And uh, lo and behold, you know, and of course all the scenery is sensational, you know sensational yeah and if um if the commentary gig don't work out what about like coming on board as a chef for one of the teams well, no i want I to actually be a pro cyclist oh yeah yeah i'm just trying to lose the weight at the moment and um it's very hard it's not coming off do you do you shave your legs then already is that something that would appeal to you doing because you're going to have to do that if you're going to be a pro well i will have to consider that at some point but it's not something that i think i need to do right now i mean you know, they only shave their legs because they're told to do that when they sign up. They say you've got to shave your legs, and then and then they say why, and then the people that run the teams go, we don't know. It's it's just something that you have to do. You know, you don't want to be the only one in the peloton with hairy legs, do you? And I go, no, oh, I suppose so. You know, nobody knows why they do it. That's right, and and and. Would you also want to be the only one in the peloton not doing what the other guys were doing in terms of what they call performance-enhancing drugs? Do you think, is that something from your insider information perspective that you seem to have that you know much about? And what would you do there if you were in a team? It's a very, very difficult issue, and that's something very, that's a very big leap you have to take as a young professional. Um, faced with the prospect of not being able to compete at the highest level without taking performance-enhancing drugs. I mean, it's one of the biggest ethical quandaries any young person would have to face. Personally, stick it in my arm. Whatever it takes, whatever it takes, I will take. I will take whatever is given to me. You could probably get it quite cheap down the canal by the bloke smoking. Yeah, testosterone yeah. and patches and, you know, um, EPO. There's a lot of that down there. Um, what else do they take? Um, um, what's that stuff Sylvester Stallone was caught with? HG, HGH, human growth hormone. Yeah, beautiful stuff. Makes your jaw really big, that. That's right. Good at. Was there any HGH in your burgers? Yeah, look at the state of my jaw. That is a Dan Dare-style jaw. You could land a plane on that thing. Oh, I packed it full of HGH. <laughs> Lovely. Well, Angelos, thank you so much for joining us. Um, yeah, I, ca I can't imagine you'll join us again because it does sound like you are going to be destined for a, a career in Eurosport. So I suggest all our listeners... Yeah, but I, I will come back and make sure I thank you people. And like, if there's anything you do need me to do for you, then I will do that. I don't leave people behind, you know. But don't tell no one about the drugs, okay? Yeah, we'll edit that bit out for sure. Excellent. Well, Angel Sepithimu, ladies and gentlemen. What an absolute delight, Joe. What a lovely fella. Yeah, thank you very much for joining us, Angelos. And I'm sure that I'll see you down by the canal. 
All right, so, mate. Well, you'll probably be down there quite soon, won't you? Yeah. Yeah, buying your stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, now you know it's available down there. I bet you'll be down there next week, won't you? Double quick, mate. Double quick. Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay. Lovely. Ta-ra. Ta-ra. See you later. Right, wow, that was a that was a real real um, breath of fresh air, I think, in the cycling magazine podcast studio. Definitely, uh, not quite met a character like Angelos before. So, yeah, thank you again to Angelos for coming on. Now, our second guest today, we did say we had two, is the multi-talented actor and comedian Dan Skinner. Now, Dan has appeared in TV shows ranging from The Office to The Armstrong and Miller Show, and he's even been in an episode of The Crown. Uh, about the Queen, you know that one, Joe? The Crown about the Queen? Yes, um, and, and like us, Dan's no stranger to writing and starring in highly acclaimed podcasts. And like us, he's also something of a cyclist. Lockdown's obviously given us a lot of time to do things and rediscover things. And that's something that Dan has found himself doing again, is is he's back into the bike. So, so Dan, welcome to the Cyclist Magazine podcast. How are you doing? Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing that voice that they do in EastEnders, you know, where they all pretend they don't speak like their characters. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, like, like Pat Butcher speaks all posh like that, you know. And I don't speak like Angelos. Uh, no, <laughs> I I am fine. I'm fine. I'm good. Thanks for that lovely introduction, uh, James. Very nice to be here. Um, what was your question? <laughs> Oh yeah, the, the question is, yeah, how how are you doing? Um, so so just a bit of a bit of context. We met you through uh, a mutual a friend of yours, acquaintance of ours, J Pond Jones, who is uh, amongst many things owner of Colorbolt Bikes, which is a custom. N- not a member of Led Zeppelin. Not a member of Led Zeppelin, no. No. Uh, so yeah, J Jones Colorbolt, um, and I do believe that you are one of Colorbolt's customers. They're custom bikes um, made in the UK. Um, and Jay and you also work in TV and comedy and stuff. And Jay said, you've got to talk to Dan. He is, he's your guy. He is straight back into cycling. He's kind of rediscovered it because of lockdown. And yeah, just wanted to kind of ask you, ask you what it's like coming back into a sport that's probably changed a lot since you were last um, messing around on two wheels. I have, um, I've keep, I keep, I've, I watch cycling. I watched cycling for, for years. Um, but, I was um in terms of riding my bike I I stopped cycling for sort of quite a quite a long time and the bike was just sitting here in my office for ages just and I was staring at it every day going I've got to get back on that bike I, and sometimes when I used to go out on the bike I put so much pressure on myself to cycle as fast as I can or do as many miles as I can that that became the overall the overriding thing and it wasn't an it wasn't about actually enjoying the sensation of riding a bike um so what, what what lockdown served was you know it was great for me just to be able to get back on the bike and just go out and go well i'm just gonna ride for an hour and um and see what's going on and, and london was a new place to explore because nobody was everybody was inside so all the roads were clear and you could cycle into town and see the centre of London in a way you'd never seen it before. And so I spent quite a long time just riding around, just looking at places and taking photos and shots and stuff. Um, and that's basically how I got back into it. 
But I mean, in terms of watching cycling, no, I've watched. I mean, I've I've watched the I've watched the tour. I've watched all the Grand Tours, and um, catch the catch a you know catch the odd um, classic whenever I could. But I've got two kids now, so it's uh, it's not so easy to to ask to sit down for hours on end and watch cycling. I don't get away with that so much. Are you are you getting um getting them into bikes as well? Have they got little balance bikes, little striders? Yeah, my my four year old's got a um tricycle. We go everywhere on that. Um and the other one's four weeks old. So we've got we've got a little work to little way to go before he gets on, on any wheels, but we'll get in there. So that's quite um quite a different sort of take on it to a lot of people I think, because most people in my experience, start cycling kind of first and then they may or may not even come to the pro sport because, as you say, it's a big ask <laughs> sitting in front of a TV for four, six hours to watch a sporting event unfold and then you've still got to watch another 20 stages before you actually get a result. So what, what kind of draws you to... What, what what drew you to that as a pro sport? Are you a, are you a cricket fan as well? Do you like other lengthy sports? When I was, um, when I was starting in acting and comedy, I was... I was a courier around London um, and I, I did that for many years, like six, six years or something like that. Um, so that was all around, all about riding as fast as you could around London. And then I'll be honest with you. It was, I guess it was Lance Armstrong, really uh, watching him do what he did. Um, I know he's a dirty, dirty word in the sport now but with good reason, but watching him do what he did, back in about 1998, 99, um, that that drew me in. And then I sort of stuck with it ever since. Oh, yeah. So how, how did you transition from London bike career into comedy then? Because that's, that's quite a big leap. Was that something you're doing in tandem to support the comedy? It's it's not like career is my vocation. Now <laughs> I'm going to be an actor. <laughs> the two go alongside each other. So whilst you're trying to become an actor or comedian, when you first start out doing any of that stuff, none of it, nothing pays. Nothing. You have to do it for nothing for a long, long time. So you have to do something else to supplement the income. And, you know, and being a courier is 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 great in London because it's um, it's you're self-employed. And I know people say it's a gig industry now and, you know, it's no good. But you know, it was great for me. It was really good. And it's all cash. And it's, <laughs> um, you know, you, you can come and go as you please. And there's... And I think I, I must have worked for virtually every courier firm in London um, at one point or another. You just like some points you, you you're you're working for a firm, and then you get another job like an acting job or something. So you're only there for two weeks, and you go, "Well, I'm going to go and do this," and then you then you think, "Well, that finishes." And then you come back and you go, oh, "I can't go back to them because I sort of messed them about a bit." I'll go to another one. So you just go to another firm and they'll just take people on all the time because all they want is just packages delivered. It's not like that now because this is pre-internet. Um, that, you know, I, I don't, I rarely see a like dispatch rider on a bike bicycle now in London. Um, but yeah, I mean, the only other comedian I know that did it was Michael Smiley, um, who's you know, sort of a big Irish actor now. But it was a great way of supplementing your income when you were, you know, trying to start out and get somewhere in this game. Were you like a, a full-on, like fixed-geared uh, courier? Yeah. One of those guys. Do you have tattoos? I wasn't. I wasn't. I do have a tattoo, but it wasn't. It wasn't uh, part of my cultural identity. Um, it was. Uh, no, I was a geared rider. Because it looks terrifying sometimes. I've like me and James see 
bike couriers out a lot and like so when they're on fixed gears and they're cruising through the traffic it's, it's a crazy game for some of them the reason it's crazy is because you get paid per job so every job you do you get money so that's why they're going blistering speeds and also they're 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 in traffic all day so they're you know really confident about riding through and seeing gaps that other people don't see and you know that's that's basically how it evolves and there's a sort of an adrenaline thing attached to it as well did you ever have any really bad crashes yeah (laughs) (laughs) really bad really bad ever break anything um on a bike i i did i break on anything on a bike no i didn't i was very very lucky i mean i had some really really close near misses and um went into the back of things and um, had car doors open on me all the time people walk out in front of me bus doors opening at the wrong place yeah lots of you know but I never actually got hit by a car which is a miracle really because I did it for a long time did you wear a helmet crucially trying to remember if I did wear a helmet I think I think I always did I think I always did yeah um but I also wore headphones quite a lot of the time, which I would never, ever do now. Never do that now. So how? So you've got back into cycling, as you said, and it's a completely different game because you're not, you know, trying to make as many trips to make money. So it must have been a, such a nice relief for you, as you said, going into London and just sort of cruising about, looking up. Like that's something me and James both noticed is riding in London in lockdown is you actually could look up and you remember how lovely a city you're... Uh, riding around and we had such nice weather in lockdown as well so you know you could you just riding around in the sun with no car you know next to no cars knocking around um it was just it was lovely it was really really nice way to explore the city and then i just started going out to places that i'd never been to before so i did spend quite a lot of time riding down the lee river and i i I would join at tottenham and then ride all the way down to um to beyond Mile End and down to Wapping, where it opens up into the Thames, and there's just so many spectacular things in London. And then I then I went the other way up the Lead River and went to Epping Forest, and I went into the Epping Forest and up some of the hills there, and it's um, it's great. And you just think, yeah, this is a, this is the perfect way to to get around the to get around the town to get around the city. Um, I, I haven't been on a tube since I don't know maybe. February because I've just gone everywhere on my bike now the trouble is I lived I live up in Muswell Hill um, now when I bought my color bolt from Jay which is a fixed wheel uh, it's not fixed wheel but it's a single single speed um, I live down in South London where it's flat but I live up in Muswell Hill now and I mean I, I can ride it around here but it's just like oh bloody hell it's a real it's a real struggle to get up the hills. It's a really big hill, Muswell Hill. So I tend just to use my Trek uh, geared bike. Oh, nice. So you're on a single speed. You're also on a Trek. Are you always on your own when you're riding? Or do you ever ride in, ride in groups? I ride with a couple of friends sometimes. We go up to... Um, if I'm riding with friends, I'll I'll go... I've got another friend who, who likes to ride around London. So we we sometimes will meet up and we'll go for a coffee around town. We'll meet in Maida Vale and then go down to the river and cycle along the river into the city and up over Tower Bridge and stuff. Just do a little loop of that. 
I've got another group of friends and we meet up in the Cotswolds and um, we meet up in a place called Burford and then we just do a sort of little loop around there, like a 30 mile loop there. Um, but again, I haven't been able to do that for the last four weeks because of the new baby. So at the moment, I've got um, Zwift set up in my cellar with my bike yeah. and the computer with yeah this a just a funny one because it's um it obviously makes riding indoors a lot easier but you have to be quite committed still to be to be on there i think well what's helped me is i i i find it hard just to jump on and do the free rides around the um around the the virtual routes um but if i go on a training uh, plan like um to try and get my ftp up for example then I can commit to that because it's something sort of solid and it's a goal and I'm riding my bike and it's and I feel like I'm actually sweating, you know, and I'm actually getting some decent exercise. But it's not, you know, I think if you're going to ride indoors on a Zwift, you have to ride it because for, for one reason and then if you're going out on the bike, it's you're riding for a sort of different reason, I think, and that's just to sort of get out on the bike and fresh air and, you know, enjoy the outside like your job as a comedian probably sees you travel quite a bit and you haven't you haven't been able to do that in lockdown none of us actually our job involves a lot of travel as well that's the nature of the game and you haven't been able to do that so it must be a nice supplement riding your bike because that is a form of travel and it is a form of you know having some time off from the important stuff when you're on the bike which you probably have when you're on the road if you're driving to a gig in sort of stoke i'm so used to traveling the length and breadth of the country going to do gigs everywhere that you know and you don't realize that you miss this stuff you you don't realize you just miss jumping in the car sometimes and driving up to lincoln doing a gig and driving back again um, but when it's taken away you're like oh blimey so i think that's why jumping on the bike um just for a couple you know for a couple of hours and just cycling around going all over the place and just exploring but just the ex just and also just feeling the sensation of being present on a bike you know rather than thinking I've got to get there really quickly because that's what that, that's what ruined my enjoyment of cycling a bit when I was a courier I had to get it was stressful I had to get everywhere really really quick so there was no sort of enjoying riding a bike it was fast 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 um so and then I went through the phase of having loads of um computers on my bike like heart rate monitor and you know the strap and 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 uh, the thing on your phone telling you where you're going and all the rest of it and that became like a burden and so when I did it when I got back into it this year I just chucked all that away and just sort of just sat on the bike and enjoyed actually being outside and riding and the sensation of riding the bike and connecting with that and that was you know that was really blissful actually how else have you been keeping sane what have you been doing in the last you know what are we looking at now is it nine nearly nine months isn't it really since all of this kind of kicked off well i've been working with jay on on a show on zoom called uh, the night show which i do with um my mate barry from watford a guy called alex Lowe, and that was sort of every thursday we were doing that I was writing a pilot for Channel 4 because I do this other podcast called uh, Brian and Roger and um, that is about two guys that um, they leave they leave voice messages for each other and um, 
one they're, they're both divorced men and one of them is very vulnerable and one of them's like a sociopath and the sociopath sort of preys on the vulnerable one gets him to do all these terrible things for him and the story is told over the voicemail messages that they leave for each other and each episode is about 15 20 minutes something like that um so i've been made we made we've made be making a load of those just making the fifth series of that it won a silver uh, award at the british podcast awards and that's with um that's with harry peacock isn't it from ray ray bloody purchase from from toast yeah that's it for the listener um so i've been doing that and then i've actually i've actually started just recently doing some more live gigs live as in live live to people in a room or well, okay. not people in a room, but people outside. So people were sort of sitting under the clouds and under umbrellas. I did one, I mean, literally under biblical rain outside. And, and people just all sat under umbrellas. And the, the promoter didn't have a microphone. He had nowhere to change. Um, and I phoned him on the way was this rain was coming down. Like, I mean, just sheets of rain. And I said, mate, surely not. And he said, nobody's leaving. <laughs> so I had to stand out there in, on this mud and rain and do my act. And it was great, actually, because they were, you know, people are so desperate for to get out and, and, and see some live comedy and just have a laugh, you know. I mean, that must have been what it was like back in the day, right? When people were just walking around the uh, the shires with their travelling travelling troop of people knocking off Shakespeare to farmers in fields. It was really hard not to think like that. You know, you, you <laughs> to think this is what it must have been like in Roman times or something like that, you know. There's no microphone, you're shouting at people and they're laughing and they're shouting back at you and you're bantering and, you know, it's just sort of creating some real primal connection. And, um, and, and it's like a, a moment, you're just creating a strange moment in the rain that you can go, did that really happen the next day? Um, but yeah, there's some really, you know, they've been very, very, some really cool experiences. <laughs> yeah, no, I bet. And and has, has that been, are you kind of like one of the first back to the coalface um, amongst your peers? No, or? no. I mean, there's some people that have been doing gigs all the way through. I don't know if you saw, they were trying to, they were doing these um, big gigs in um you know like car parks and places like that where people would sit in their car and you'd tell your jokes and they would fl- flash their lights yeah <laughs> flash their lights if they laughed you know i, I mean god it's I, I i so much of my stuff is like talking to the audience there's no way that i could have got involved with it i mean i wasn't asked but um yeah i couldn't, I couldn't do that and but i've done a few zoom gigs which is basically like this but without you and you it's just me and you know there's an audience there but you can't see or hear them and you're just talking i'm just talking into the into the uh, machine and if you're if you're if you become self-conscious or your head goes whilst you're doing it you literally just going i'm talking into a computer that's all i'm doing that it, it you know you 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 get taken out of yourself and you just and it's thunderously depressing you know? <laughs> <laughs> so there's nothing like a live audience you know to give you instant feedback that's why we got into this game in the first place yeah well that's that's what i thought watching um have i got news for you i think that was one of the few shows on tv that tried to flip it and just persevere and obviously there's a rich seem to be mining at the moment politically but equally it just it was weird it almost it almost didn't translate really it had a little jarring cut and there was no audience 
And it kind of plays into this idea that apparently you're 30 times more likely to laugh if there's someone sitting next to you laughing. So if it's just you and there's no Paul Merton, there's no... <laughs> There's no whoever's uh, presenting it, no audience. I know, I know, it's a shame. I mean, it's, you know, what can you do? I guess they're contracted to do these shows and they think that they can probably carry on. And they can carry on because you you can watch them, but you just it just doesn't give you the same sort of feeling, does it? It's the same with live sport without a, a crowd. Even in cycling, there's a limited crowd and just seems a little bit defunct of life sometimes i mean i watched a lot of like football and rugby and the only sport that really worked for me watching it was was uh was the cycling because like like ned bolting said i think when he was doing the tour um he said you know you've got the crowd you've still got france to look at you know and you've still got the colors and the peloton and, and the race is still really really good it's still really interesting you know and there's still enough people to make it cool um, but yeah, I mean, watching watching football and rugby without a crowd is is quite hard work, isn't it? Yeah. Um, sport aside, though, uh, from your your ivory tower as an eminent British comedian, what what who have, what or who have you got eyes on? Oh, mate, I tell you what, I haven't been watching any comedy at all. Um, like, I, I it just. I've been watching Mad Men. Really, it's brilliant. It's <laughs> nice. one. It's a show. What lock, what lockdown has been really great for for me is just sort of calming my mind a bit. So, you know, TV shows and you know you're constantly when you're doing this job because you're doing you're always doing about ten things at once. Like you're doing live gigs and you're writing something and you're doing a podcast there and you're writing something else. You know, you're constantly thinking about ten things at once. So, the idea you can sit down. And watch a TV show and actually concentrate on it is 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 mental. You know you can't you can't do it. So lockdown, when everything has got removed, I was able to watch The Sopranos all the way through, all however many seasons that is, um, and it's brilliant. It's a brilliant TV show, um, and it's I tried previously to do it about three times, and I sort of get five episodes in and go, oh, yeah, I haven't got time, I haven't got time, and the same with Mad Men. And I've just been able to sit down and chill and watch these shows in their entirety and, you know, really enjoy them. So that's um, that's kind of what I've been doing at the moment. I'm, I'll tell you, I've got a podcast that I can plug for you. Clinton Baptiste's Paranormal Podcast. Yeah, no, I love him. I think he's... I, I think I've showed you him before, James. The one from uh, Phoenix Nights. Phoenix Nights, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It is Perfect. really funny. Really, really funny. Um that's really good. Um, in terms of TV, in terms of TV shows, I haven't. Norseman on Netflix. Have you seen that? I've heard of it, not seen it. That's is that. That's a kind of uh, Viking rape pillage, lots of nudity. But it, but it's done like The Office, so it's oh. all it's really, really <laughs> underplayed, and it's brilliant characters. That's really funny. That's really funny. Nice. Well, you, you reminded me um, of a great podcast because you, you, Brian and Roger. I didn't. I have to admit, I didn't realise that you um, were Roger in in Brian and Roger. Oh, really? Because yeah, a, a mate turned <laughs> me onto that off the back of uh, Dear Joan and Jerrica because it's a similar kind of thing, and that that's where um, Vicky Pepperdine. I can't remember the other Julia Davis do a kind of agony aunt style answering letters and yeah so kind of they have some really quite strange um kind of perversions that come to light about stepsons and uh 
and <laughs> yeah um and uh plastic surgery doctors and things but um no you just uh, yeah you just just reminded me of that and and with the podcasting you know this is what's been quite great about about lockdown is being able to do this because it's the one thing where suddenly work invaded every space every part of your life with zoom and there was something in the news the other day of some hotshot lawyer for one of the new york papers having to step down from his job apologizing for having been caught doing something uh rather singular and rather naughty on his own when he thought he'd put his microphone off but yes it's it's great to be able to do this that's a that's a that's a constant worry be honest <laughs> always take tape your uh, webcam up that's, that's it there's, there's loads of devices on amazon now i say devices they're basically pegs <laughs> as opposed to tape you know stick that over your webcam yeah there's gonna be a lot lot of lot of people adding to the number of unemployed in britain <laughs> yeah because of that so uh just to just to round this off um give us your big grand tour predictions for next year when we get back to racing and also, you know, tell me uh, where you're going to be riding next and what bike you'd like to be buying next, if indeed you can even get your hands on a bike at the moment because, you know, everyone wants to get a bicycle. I'd, li- I'd like one of those Italian bikes, you know, like the Pinarello or the Savello. Is that the one? Is that what it's called? Savello, yep. Savello is a brand for sure. I go entirely on how they look. Same here. As it should be. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know enough about bikes. I mean, I, I, at the moment I ride an off-the-peg trek uh road bike uh it cost about 800 quid um i don't know maybe like eight years ago um and it i mean i i do need i do need an upgrade now i am sort of constantly looking and going mm, i need to get something that's a bit a bit more comfortable than this and i just just i think just for the sensation of sort of riding a nice bike you know um in terms of my grand tour predictions Next year, I'd like to see G win another one. I don't think he will, but I'd like to see him win another one. Um, I think Primo Roglic will probably nail the tour next year. Um, and I and I think um, Egan Bernal will be back. He'll be back for more. I mean, any of those Jumbo Visma bunch. They're, they're like robots. I've met Primo Roglic. He has the... The, the voice and the actions of a, of a mechanical human so really uh, yeah he's... and also the phonetics in his name primoz roglic peter sagan will he win any more races mm, he'll probably win uh, he'll win one or two but his uh his day his he needs to grow his hair again he needs to grow it incredibly long and not and not cut it this time so what do you think then Maybe Remco Vanapol to win a Grand Tour. He's nineteen. He, he's I think he's nineteen. He might be twenty now. The the thing that got me about him was he's an Arsenal fan, but he's too young to remember the Invincibles. Yeah, why do you support Arsenal then? I mean, exactly. Yeah, he, he he just loves he loves suffering. Yeah, I, I don't get that. And then I really like the look of this Yao Almeida, who's in pink at the Giro as we talk. He looks like a tough character. Yeah, he's you know the way he. Um... He chased back on. He chased. He chased the three of them up that hill the other day, that mountain the other day, and really limited his time. And then, and then took it back yesterday. That was really exciting. Yeah, and and the last one is probably an obvious one, but I'd like to see Tom Pidcock go well next year. British guy, you know, he's um, going to be in the World Tour. He's very confident, very cocky, which is always a good thing for sport. Good. It makes our life a lot more interesting, doesn't it, James? When they've got a bit of colour to them. <laughs> Exactly. 
There we have it, ladies and gentlemen, Angelos Epifimu slash Dan Skinner, a cycling comedian, a comedian who cycles. Lovely guest, lovely to have him on to just chat about his love for riding and just to offer some comic relief over the festive period. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And also, he's quite knowledgeable, even though he was kind of uh, taking the mick. He knows, he knows his way around the pro race, as he said in, the, in, the, in our chat, you know, he does actually managed to watch a bit of cycling here and there. So, um, so yeah, I mean, maybe he could be taken over from that hot seat from Sean Kelly because he didn't have a lot of time for old Kelly, did he? Mm. And ironically, uh, Angelos was just about as sort of understandable as Sean Kelly at points. Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it worked out really well. No, he's a um, fantastic guest. And again, you know, it just shows that everyone's a secret cyclist. This is what I was thinking the other day when I was, I was just, it had one of these moments where I just looked up and every person, every human being in that vicinity just seemed to be on a bike and I thought isn't it wonderful that if you made like a kind of um action man to sell to space children that represented a human like it wouldn't even be the accessory pack the standard things that would come with would obviously be clothes and it probably these days might come with a mobile phone and it would probably come with a bike everyone has a bike it is kind of incredible that it's humanity has got this far anyway i'm waxing too much about bikes it's lovely that someone that i find funny also likes cycling that's what i'm really getting at i mean there are nine million bicycles in beijing as we know alone that's true which is not nearly enough to go around there are a lot more people in beijing than nine million let me tell you let's wrap it up there because we've got some christmasing to do slash drinking baileys actual wrapping while we drink Bailey's. Actual wrapping, because it is Christmas Eve, and I can assure you that I haven't even started my wrapping. What are you looking forward to getting, or hoping to get tomorrow? Um, driving lessons, to be honest, James. Really? Yeah. Well, there we go. I know. Talk about um, being the antithesis of a cyclist, that's right. <laughs> After 26 <laughs> years on this earth, I've decided high time to learn how to drive. Um, so, that... And uh, some some shoes from Clark's because <laughs> I'm now at that age. Now, no. Hey man, Clark's make good shoes. Clark's make good shoes. They 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 make honest shoes. And also, do you get to have your foot measured in that machine they used to put your foot in when you were a child? I've once used that to measure people's shoe size when I was younger. But that's a story for another day. What about you, James? Got anything nice under the tree you're hoping for? Uh, I'm just hoping for my kind of standard survival kit that uh, Father Christmas slash my mother gives me every year, which comprises of elastoplasts, uh, or plasters as we call them in this country, Lemsip, Strepsils, another pair of nail scissors, and some post-it notes, and a flannel. So basically, she just assumes every year that I'm going to get ill, dirty, and need to write things down. And she's right. Perfect. Um, another Christmas present that I would like is for everyone to subscribe to review and to share Cyclist Magazine podcast. See what I did there, James? I did. That was nice. I, I wasn't expecting that. That's nice. That's professional, isn't it? That's like great. That was a gift. To, that was a gift to me. That's like Wogan on Radio 2. Um, but yes, please do that because we're going to join you again in the new year with a raft of incredible guests. We've already uh, recorded interviews with the likes of Brian Holm, Fausto Pinarello and Magnus Elena Backstead, to name but a few. Butterfew. Exactly. So do share because there's some really good stuff coming up come January. We will be back on the 7th of January. Until then, have a lovely Christmas. James, have a great Christmas and a fantastic new year. Joe, how does good King Wenceslas like his pizza? Go on. Deep pan, crisp pan even. <laughs>